Well, in the year 2018, uh, I asked Jamie to be my wife, and it all went gray and peachy. But then after the proposal, uh, we spent time uh, in, yeah, I, I did, it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I asked her to be my wife. Uh, I shouldn't belittle it like that. I asked Jamie to marry me in 2018. But after the proposal, uh, the day after, uh, we went with my family over to Charleston, South Carolina. Has anybody been to Charleston, South Carolina before? Raise your hand. Wow, actually a decent number of you guys. But Charleston is, is a really neat city that is full of history. There's a ton of history found in the city of Charleston. Now, unfortunately, a big part of Charles, Charleston's history revolves around slavery. As during periods of the transatlantic uh, slave trade where uh, people, innocent people from Africa, were taken as slaves, captured in Africa, and sold as slaves over in America. During that time period, as many as 40% of slaves sold to the 13 colonies, sold to America, were brought through the ports of Charleston. That one city of Charleston, about 40 So that's thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who were sold into slavery in the city of Charleston. And while in Charleston in 2018, as we visited as a family uh, in the city, uh, you can visit a handful of different things that commemorate the awful things uh, that took place in the city of Charleston. You can visit uh, the old Slave Mart uh, Museum uh, that focuses specifically on all of the slaves sold and traded um, in the city of Charleston. You can also visit what they called the market, uh, where the slaves supposedly, they could trade goods with other slaves in uh, the market. Um, and that's what I remember most about spending time in Charleston. And, and that was just a really eerie feeling, walking through that market, knowing thousands upon thousands of slaves walked through that same market a couple hundred years ago. And that was just a a really unique feeling, a feeling that that I've not really experienced um, before. Um, But oftentimes, you know, this was was an awful atrocity that took place. Thousands upon thousands of slaves mistreated and abused in this transatlantic slave trade. Um, But oftentimes here in America, that's the only form of slavery that we are ever made aware of in education. Professor uh, Duke Pesta, over an 11-year period, gave quizzes at the beginning of the semester to his college Students, students seeking further education at Purdue University, the University of Tennessee Martin, or Ursinus College, uh, Oklahoma State University, and the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. So at these five different universities over 11-year uh, time period, at the beginning of the semester, he gave them a quiz. And in this quiz that he gave these students to get a general idea of what they knew and what they didn't knew, unfortunately, we don't have the exact number. But he says, quote, that the students had an overwhelming belief that slavery began in the United States and was almost exclusively an American phenomenon. How, how ignorant a we can be at times, because yes, how awful it was a couple of hundred years ago, the, the slavery that took place um, in America, thousands upon thousands of innocent people 
abused and treated as slaves. Uh, but let me tell you, let me be the bearer of bad news this morning. Slavery did not start just a couple hundred years ago. Really, you can trace slavery all the way back to the beginning. Historians, they can trace uh, back slavery to the first civilizations of mankind. You look at, uh, like, for example, the Mesopotamian civilization that, that was resided between the Tigris and Euphrates uh, River. They held slaves. They were big into slavery. All, a lot of these ancient civilizations, they were able to profit. They were able to progress through uh, these different technologies because of, of slavery. As slavery has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And as I said uh, just a moment ago, you can trace slavery all the way back to the very beginning. Not quite the very beginning, but in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, and life was perfect. But then mankind, Adam and Eve, they committed sin. And I would make the claim that ever since that moment, ever since the moment that the first man and woman to ever be alive committed sin, I would dare say slavery has been an uh, it's been gripping us ever since then for thousands upon thousands of years. And I make that claim because of what Jesus says in the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of John real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth book of the New Testament, the fourth gospel. The fourth gospel is all about the life and ministry of Jesus. And so Jesus, in verse 31, it reads, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. So here Jesus, he's talking with a group of Jews who believed that he was the Messiah. He's the Christ that they've been waiting thousands of years for. And so Jesus says to this group of believers, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So if you abide in his word, if you obey what he says, if you follow what he says, then you are truly a disciple of Christ. And Jesus continues in verse 32, and he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you follow the words of Jesus, Jesus says that you will be set free. The truth will set you free. Now there was an issue in verse 33. They answered him, the, the, the Jews who believed that he was the Messiah, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So here, Jesus talking to a group of Jews who weren't slaves. They, they, they weren't enslaved by, by any other groups of people. But here, Jesus said, if you follow my words, then you will be set free. Well, Jesus answers them in verse 34, and Jesus says, truly, truly. You know, when Jesus says truly twice, you really have got to listen to him. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's why I make the claim, that's why I make the point that ever since Adam and Eve, humanity has dealt with this awful issue of slavery. You know, in the, in the past couple of years, uh, our society's really focused on this issue of slavery. And again, in America, we have such a tunnel vision. We think the world revolves around us. We think that all the issues of the world must revolve around us as well, that slavery only a couple hundred years ago. But you can trace slavery all the way back to Adam and Eve. As Jesus, the words from Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone, not just some, not majority, but everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so naturally, 
you and I, all of us, naturally, we are enslaved to this issue of sin. And again, we mentioned throughout this series that sin is the main antagonist in our life. Antagonist, the, the bad guy. Sin is the main bad guy in your life. And naturally, you are all enslaved to your master of sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so you and I and everybody else, we need saved from this. We need saved from this issue of being enslaved to sin. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we continue our series on the seven doctrines of salvation, as sin is a really, really complex issue. There are many, multiple different layers of sin, and it brings many different issues. There's lots of different side effects and consequences. And throughout this series, we've been talking about different ways in which you and I have been saved from the main antagonists of of all of humanity, which is sin. And so today our focus is going to be on redemption. Redemption is our focal uh, point for today as, as Christ, as God has redeemed us through Christ, where we no longer are slaves to sin. Now, redemption is simply, uh, by definition, the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. So all redemption means kind of a, a fancy word, but all we mean when we say redemption is that we are receiving something, whether we're, we are receiving it for the first time or we had it, then lost it, and now we're gaining it back, or we are indebted, now we are paying that price. So you receive something and you pay the price. That is redemption. You know, we all seek redemption from time to time. When you let someone down, you may seek redemption. You may seek to gain their trust back. If, if you lie to them, if you wrong them, whatever it may be, you pay the price by doing the right thing. And with that price, you hope to gain the trust back. Or some of you guys, if you're like me, if you lose in a game of basketball or a couple of us play ping pong, board game, whatever it may be, and you lose, you're going to seek redemption because you want to, you, you seek to get their respect back. As you lost some of the respect when you lost to them, and now you want redemption. You, you want to bring it back to them. The price you got to pay is you got to play a good game of basketball, football, whatever it may be, whatever game you are playing. So we all seek redemption uh, from time to time. But all of us, again, we need redemption from this idea that we are slaves to sin. We are indebted. We are indebted to this issue of sin, and we need someone to clear our debt as slaves. And so thank goodness for redemption. We can read in the book of Ephesians. We'll read just one verse here in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about this redemption that is available to each and every one of us. In his intro uh, to his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In him, referring to Christ. So in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. So we can have redemption, we can be set free from this issue of being enslaved to sin by the precious blood of 
Jesus. That is what, uh, in summary, that is what redeems each and every one of us from this issue of being enslaved to the main antagonist of sin. It's the precious blood of Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood. As we're all aware of the story of Jesus being crucified on that cross, and through that crucifixion, he saved us from these many different issues of sin. And so in this process of redemption, uh, of our debt being paid on behalf of us, there are four different parties being involved. Um, So Ben, if you have the slide there, the four different parties involved in this process of redemption are, is the enslaver, it's the redeemer, the payment, and the redeemed. We'll, We'll talk briefly about each of these. The first one is the enslaver. And the enslaver is, again, this issue of sin. Jesus informed us in John chapter 8 that anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if you have committed sin in your life, then naturally your slave master is sin. You are enslaved by sin. You are owned by sin. So that's the first, that's the first party involved in this process of redemption, the enslaver, which is sin. The second party involved in this process of redemption is the redeemer, you know, the one who sets us free, the one who pays our debt. And the redeemer is God. God is our redeemer. He is the one who pays our debt. This is something that Job understood crystal clear. If you read through the book of Job in the Old Testament, it's a really fascinating story. Um, But to sum it up real quick, in in one day, one 24-hour time period, Job lost pretty much everything that he had in this world. He lost his servants. He lost his livestock. He lost his 10 children. And his wife went absolutely bonkers on him in in one 24-hour time period. So all these bad things happening to Job in such a short amount of time. And Job, he had some good buddies. And his three friends, they come and they try to comfort him uh, as he's going through this really extremely, extremely rough time. And his friends aren't necessarily uh, the best friends in the world. Uh, They're trying to figure out why Job is going through all of these uh, trials and tribulations. And they're thinking, oh, Job, well, you did X, Y, and Z, so God is punishing you and so forth. And it's a big mess, you know, these kind of words of advice or comfort that Job's friends, uh, that that they're giving to Job. I don't know if they had good intentions or not, but they weren't doing him uh, many Favored. But in the midst of this conversation with Job and his three friends, which is really the bulk of the book of Job, Job replies to his three friends in chapter 19, verse 25. You don't have to go there, but Job says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. So Job is awesome because in the midst of all these trials and tribulations, he knew a couple of things. Number one, he knew that his Redeemer is alive and well. Number two, he knew exactly who he was talking about. His redeemer is God. He knew that God is alive and, well, his redeemer is living. And finally, Job also knew that at last he will stand upon the earth. One day, God is going to come back to this earth, walk with us face to face on earth, just like he did in the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so Job, he understood it, that that God is our redeemer. God is the one who pays our debt. 
as we are all indebted, we are all enslaved to this issue of sin, but God is our redeemer. So the redeemer being God is the second party involved in this process of redemption. The third party involved is the payment. God redeems us from sin, but he has to pay something. He has to pay something in return as God is a God of justice. And this payment is the blood of Jesus. And so God has redeemed you by the blood of Jesus. God paid, your, God paid your debt, God paid my debt by the blood of his precious son Jesus on that cross as there must be a price and it had to be a perfect price, the perfect blood of the perfect son of Jesus. So that's the payment. The payment is the blood of Jesus. And finally, the fourth party involved in this process of redemption is uh, the redeemed. And that's you. That's I. That, that, that's the people who have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Jesus as your savior, then you have been redeemed. You are redeemed. God the Father, the Redeemer, has freed you from the enslaver of sin by the precious blood of Jesus so that you could be redeemed. Your, your debt could be paid so that you could be free. And all we have to do in this grand, in this grand scheme of things, all we have to do is express a living faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. It could not be any easier for us for the price that God had to pay by laying his precious son, Jesus, down for us. The, 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 the intense love that he would have had for his child. I just got done sharing uh, with our Sunday school class uh, this morning, uh, talking about don't repay evil for evil. I have a deep love for my son, and a couple weeks ago, this darn little bee stung my son. And his thumb puffed up almost as big as my thumb. And let me tell you, I was angry with that bee. I, I, I crushed that bee in an instant because he stung my precious son because that's my son whom I love so much. And God has so much of a deeper love for his precious son, Jesus. Not only did, was God going to strike down a bee for stinging his precious son, Jesus, but instead, God laid down his son, Jesus, so that you and I, could be redeemed so that our debt could be paid. This is the process of redemption. These are the four parties involved in redemption, and thank goodness we are the redeemed. As this morning, I want to do a little uh, mental exercise with you all. I want you all to put on your imaginary caps with me for a moment. So go ahead and close your eyes for a minute, or we're going to put you all in a setting, and you're going to have to try your best to put yourself in this situation. So imagine that you are living in the 1800s. Slavery is all around you. So you are originally from the continent of Africa. One day, you are spending time with your family, spending time with your friends, having a good time. And all of a sudden, these people take you captive, steal you from your family, steal you from your friends, steal you from your home. They take you captive, and they ship you over to America. 
And on this boat ride, on this journey, you are enslaved by chains. There is no way that you can escape from this slavery. And so you arrive into the port city of Charleston. And you arrive to Charleston, you are enchained, you are enslaved, and your slave master goes by the name of Sin. It's this man, this cruel, awful guy by the name of Sin is your slave master, and he abuses you, he wrongs you, and he's treating you as his slave. But one day, this guy named Sin, he wants to make a profit off of you. And he wants to sell you in the marketplace. And so your slave master, Sin, he drags you across the road, drags you across the path in chains to the marketplace to sell you to some other cruel, awful slave master. We arrive to the slave mart, and he humiliates you and puts you up for sale, waiting for someone to come by you and abuse you. And as you're in this slave mart, enslaved in chains, nowhere to go, all of a sudden there comes a righteous being walking down the road who goes by the name of Yahweh. Many refer to him as God. And this righteous being lays eyes on you and sees that you are enslaved by this nasty man, sin. And so God, this righteous being, approaches this nasty man, and he seeks to buy you. He says, I want him, or I want her, I want that person. And so this nasty man sin says, all right, I'm going to need a price. You're going to have to pay me. I'm not handing this person over to you for free. And so God agrees with this nasty person named Sin, and God says, I will offer up my precious son, Jesus, to you, so in return, you can set that person free. You can set yourself free from this bondage of sin. That is the beautiful picture of redemption. You can open your eyes. God, the Redeemer, frees us from sin, away from this nasty slave master of sin by laying down his precious son, Jesus. And as God laid down his precious son, Jesus, there are three steps to this redemption that we can be saved from this issue of sin. And these three steps, real quickly, uh, one is we are redeemed from the penalty of sin. We're redeemed from the penalty of sin, as the penalty of sin is death. When you commit sin, you deserve death. I'm sorry to tell you, but contrary to popular opinion, you don't deserve that new car. You don't deserve that new house. You don't deserve uh, that awesome spouse. You don't deserve anything. You, You deserve death. Nothing more, nothing less. Anything extra is simply God's grace. And so in the midst of God's grace, he offered up his son, Jesus, to pay for the penalty of sin, which is death. Thank goodness for God's grace. So we have been redeemed from the penalty of that sin. Jesus paid that price. We also are redeemed from the power of sin. After the death of Jesus, after Jesus was crucified on the cross, the Holy Spirit became available to any believer. 
And with this Holy Spirit, we have power over sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Paul states, you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. So now that Jesus has died, now that we receive redemption, we have power over sin. We're now we, we're free from this issue of sin, and now we are slaves to righteousness. So we have power. We've been redeemed from the power of sin. And finally, at a future age to come, we will be redeemed from the presence of sin. With the sacrifice of Jesus comes the promise of eternal life in the age to come. Where everything wrong with this world, including death and pain and sin, is going to be eradicated from this world. So we are going to be redeemed. We're going to be set free from the presence of sin in God's coming kingdom. But that, that, that is yet to come in the fulfillment of God's coming kingdom. But today, as we speak today, if you have already accepted the sacrifice of Jesus with the living faith, then you have been redeemed from the penalty of sin, and you have been redeemed from the power of sin. Your penalty has been taken care of, and the power has been taken away from you as you now have power with the Holy Spirit living within you. You have power to overcome the antagonist of sin. And so now it's our part, it's our duty, with this power that God has enabled us to, it's our job, it's our duty to, to truly overcome this issue of sin. God has given you all the tools that you need to overcome this issue of sin. Thank goodness because of this process of redemption. But a beautiful, beautiful process. And so in conclusion, you've been redeemed from sin Naturally, we're all slaves to sin. Naturally, you're a slave to sin. Naturally, I'm a slave to sin. And slavery has been along since uh, sin was introduced into this world, as anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But thankfully, we have salvation. We have been saved from sin. And so if you have already accepted Jesus, you must live like you have been redeemed from the penalty of sin, and you must live like you have been redeemed from the power of sin. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you don't express that living faith, and this is a decision you have to make, you have to make, because if not, sin is going to overcome you. You're going to fall victim to the penalty of sin, which is death. And one day, one day, a day that, that I really, really, really look forward to, one day, those of us who have a living faith will be redeemed from the presence of sin. We will be set free from sin once and for all. No longer will we have to see our loved ones affected negatively by sin. No longer will we have to experience death and pain and sorrow because one day we are going to be redeemed from the presence of sin. And man, I cannot wait for that day that day is not here yet. In the meantime, we have to live like we've been redeemed from the penalty and the power of sin. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for redemption that is available to each and every one of us. Father, I pray that each and every one of us this morning take advantage of this beautiful gift of redemption 
There's naturally we're slaves to sin, but through the sacrifice of your son, we can have freedom, we can have power, we can escape the penalty of sin, and one day we can escape the presence of sin. Father, we long for that day where your son establishes your kingdom here on earth. We long for that day where we can see you face to face. We pray that day may come soon. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen.